Welcome to Grazing Hell, the one and only podcast made by a cow. And today we've got a special guest, Noah Sampson. Hello. I'm trying not to whoop too loudly because um, otherwise it'll be really horrible for your ears, for the listeners. Mm. Because I've done that in the past and I realize I'm blasting their eardrums. So uh, it's a quiet, calm, but know that inside I am very excited. Woo woo if that makes sense. So yeah, how are you on this fine day? I'm doing well. I'm great. How are you? I am very well, thank you. It's uh, 6 p.m. for me, so it's just my evening time. Um, I've made a hot water bottle for my dog, but my dog left me because she's scared of my microphone. The microphone (sighs) itself, not you talking just the- No, uh, just the, the, the actual physical thing. Yeah, on so, the screen right now, yeah. it does look intimidating. Like it, it's so close. It's like a Star Wars sort of object. Okay, so maybe she's not being <laughs> irrational. Maybe it's not just her. I'm like, can you please okay. move it for this podcast? I'm actually very terrified right now. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, um, speaking of, well, not really speaking of, but microphones, I'll somehow lead this into it. Um, yeah. let, tell the people what you do in case they aren't familiar with your work. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I do YouTube. I'm a YouTube creator. Um, I for work, I've always done like video editing kind of stuff. And just recently, I think five months ago on at the end of this month, it will be like five months of doing YouTube consistently. Uh, but yeah, I've I've been doing different content stuff um, for a while and um, recently started to gain some subscribers. I think I'm at about 70 75,000 ish 76,000 right now um which is crazy i think i was at 2000 in may when i started and um yeah i just do sort of commentary kind of video essay i'm like dabbling in that later on type content about um different sort of a little political a little bit uh, media commentary, socialist use TikToks, kind of. I don't really know yet. That's the thing. I don't know who mm. I am, so I have to mm. determine um, what that is over the course of the next few. Uh, I don't know how long videos or months or whatever. So yeah, that's that's what I do. Yeah, am I right in thinking that you uh, did a bit of editing for Cody Co? That's right. Yeah, um, I've edited I think like five or six videos for Cody and I've been working with Noel Miller um mm-hmm. the other TMG guy for uh a few years I think almost almost two and um yeah like the last just about year I've been doing his main channel videos weekly and then um I do some visual stuff for their tours when TMG tours and then their podcast like I uh their podcast intro and other kind of visual arts type stuff um to aid like their live performances or um just different pieces of content for promo and things like that so that's so cool so was that kind of what made you want to get into youtube or was it kind of something you wanted to do anyway and it just kind of happily all fit together kind of thing it kind of came together from a a bunch of different uh angles sort of i I always had in the back of my mind the idea that I wanted to do YouTube, but I didn't mm. really know, like, I didn't have any sort of sense of direction as to what I wanted to do or kind of um, desire to, like, k- 
keep at it and like kind of hyper focus on taking it seriously basically and so Mm. kind of being involved in the content creation process for other people showed me a lot about how um how it works when you're sort of developing a voice with your content and dealing with audiences and things like that and um yeah like that um they've definitely been really there's like some of the coolest people i've worked with and um it's been it has been encouraging to see sort of how uh content works in that regard but yeah it it kind of until you go out and do it on your own it's a different thing when like your name is in the description because you edited something versus it's your own piece of content. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a different level of sort of investment of yourself into the work as opposed to being a freelancer and Mm. doing kind of a a service in a way. And so there's a difference, but also definitely um, inspired by like people like them for sure. So. Yeah. And um, I mean, I feel, I, I, am I correct in saying that your most viewed video at the moment is the, deep dive into left tube am i right is that yeah Yeah. so that that was um how i came across your work and uh the such a great video um and i'm sure you get asked about it a lot this is what happens when you when a video pops off no one shuts up about it so apologies in advance for that um basically uh noah made a video that was like a really uh sort of deep dive in a guide a practical guide to leftist youtube and do you want to just tell us what made you want to make that and just tell us about the video because it's it's a good one yeah oh thank you very much um Mm -hmm. i kind of stumbled upon what people have defined as leftist youtube or bread tube is the kind of older Mm -hmm. definition for it and um i stumbled upon it because i was always kind of involved in online politics at least kind of following it and uh listening to some podcasts and things like that but then a friend of mine sent me a video from somebody. It was H bomber guy. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but it was, of I think, course. yeah, he's, he's amazing. Uh, it might've been the climate change video, one of those. And I watched mm. it and I was like, this, there's something like, there's something very different here that it feels like compared to any other YouTube content I've ever watched. And I watch a lot of YouTube, but I kind of, I mean, I thought before I made that video, I watched a lot. And then I really started watching a lot because I was like, this is incredible. And then I looked up kind of, there's a subreddit and there's like some Wikipedia articles about who is defined in BreadTube. And then I just kind of started watching everything. I had seen some of these people like ContraPoints I had watched and um, a couple other of the people I talked about in the video. But basically, as I was discovering this, I kind of had my content creator brain in the back burner, I was just really watching a lot of stuff and absorbing it. And then I was trying to figure out how I could, um, basically how I could talk about this in a way that would, uh, be helpful in some way or, or potentially just be able to relay how much I like this stuff and how like kind of amazed I am at the quality. And, um, also that I had a bunch of a lot of people I know that would define themselves as leftists or kind of liberal or on the left Democrats, whatever. And, um, very few people had heard of any of them and, uh, or heard of bread tube or, or any, or didn't have like an idea that there was a consistent sort of, uh, outlet for leftist content other than like news channels or some maybe like the young Turks or whatever other, Mm. like sort of more established, uh, older school type, uh leftist outlets and so um 
I kind of wanted to show that uh, it's out there and there's like really good conversations going on and really interesting and f funny people uh, that are involved. And, and yeah, it, it is my most viewed video. I'm pretty sure it has. It just hit about 500,000 views, which uh, at the time I released it, I had 4,000 subscribers. So like the algorithm basically decided that because I was talking about you know, a, like a lot of different creators that to show all of their fan bases, the mm. video. Uh, and it was kind of interesting during the process of the video gaining a lot of traction. I would see uh, influx influxes of comments from different audiences where you'd, I would like for two hours, I would have a bunch of people coming in and saying, hey, I watched this person. Uh, this is really cool that you included them. And they would all be like, you know, the same person, like, thank you for including like uh Contra points or thank you for including big joel like that it's really cool and it would be in kind of sections depending on the mm -hmm. time so it was kind of interesting to see the algorithm do that in real time and i kind of had an idea that okay like if you talk about like i i noticed when like there's a lot of channels or, or rather not channels but like video clips of like this video of hassan let's say and it's um like just from a channel that has like 500 subscribers, but it'll have a hundred thousand views because the algorithm knows it'll push it to all, you know, Hassan's fans. And so it was kind of a combination of all of that, that I think made it, that helped it to do well. I don't like, you know, I'm not claiming to know how the algorithm works at all. Cause no one really does, but yeah, it was definitely, secret. <laughs> yeah, it's top secret. And, and it's definitely, um, it was the result of me like four, four or five months trying a bunch of different things and trying to like see what would work as in terms of growing, but also uh, trying to define my voice kind of and find things that I wanted to talk about that I felt strongly about. And so it was all of those things that culminated in a video that did well, which is I was really excited about and then helped me see uh sort of some sense of direction as to where to take my content if if that makes sense so yeah, yeah absolutely and i mean since you made a very long ass video about left to would you describe yourself as left to because you talk about sort of left-leaning stuff you know you talk about weird misogynists on tiktok and that kind of thing so how would yeah would you describe yourself that way i think the last handful of videos I've done have been like that. And I probably, as I make more, will use, be more open to that definition. Um, because I've talked about like, you know, transphobia, Ben Shapiro kind of covered stuff mm. like that. And so uh, basically once I discovered the uh, BreadTube subreddit, I started making leftist content knowing that it would work, but mainly knowing that these are things I like talking about. So I, mm. I guess I would, uh, as of now, use that definition probably just based on like the last let's say month or two of videos um talking about leftist stuff uh yeah i was yeah. gonna say because um i was having a little dig you know of course always before i have a, a guest on um some of your older stuff you have these sketches and they're really funny like especially the epstein one um <laughs> that one actually uh that made me laugh out loud it was so good um, thank you yeah no and um the Chrissy Tagan one and that kind of thing. Cause yeah, you, you've done skits as well and that kind of thing. So it's, um, I think we all have this when we're on YouTube, when we start out, we, we end up going to something that we didn't expect when we first started out. Like I, my first few videos were photography videos. Cause that's my 
day job or it was before this all blow the fuck up but um Mm -hmm. like I still do it but it's uh on the side now and yeah I think it's just interesting how we all evolve kind of in a way that maybe we wouldn't predict Um, yeah find a voice and see what people want and then kind of listen to that but also listen to how it makes you feel how you feel about the work that you've made you mentioned sketches and I actually didn't like I uploaded those sketches all kind of at once because I in like 2017 is when I first started kind of making content. I would release sketches on on Twitter and there was one Mm. that got like a million views and and I got like 5000 followers on Twitter from it. And I remember being like so, you know, excited, exhilarated, like, wow, people like me. They think I'm funny. This is so crazy. (laughs) And um, and then sort of uh, the the content process really sort of fizzling out after that because i i didn't have a firm understanding of what of a process of making things and and um not i didn't have like a i had like a catalog of sketches to kind of fall back on but mainly i was too enthralled by the kind of experience of going viral and then when that didn't happen again because going viral is so random you know especially mm. on on twitter uh I was kind of disappointed and it was really easy to get burnt out. And then I stopped making content and that was right around the time I started, you know, editing kind of full time basically. And so I was like, I'll get back to that whenever I do. But yeah, that's just kind of a little background into the sketches because those, I I mainly put those up on Twitter and that was my first experience with content. And um, I'm glad I uploaded them to YouTube as well as like kind of a cataloging thing. But yeah, it is, it is a, a really kind of weird long process and um i'm glad that i didn't get like a massive following back then because i was an idiot i still am an idiot but like i, I was very young and green to the idea of uh be, being having a following and what that means and uh you know four years later having it happen it feels like that's the right time like i'm glad it was then Mm. now than then kind of thing if that makes sense no completely makes sense um i completely feel you like i think i would have wanted this a few years ago but i'm so glad it happened when it did because i think even if it was just i don't know two years ago I don't think I would have been ready for it I think like I'm still I'd still consider myself a very sensitive person but I was even thinner skinned back then and I think you do have to have some kind of just resilience and understanding that the internet is kind of the wild west and I don't know it's just you you gotta not take things personally basically is kind of my advice to people um obviously that's way easier said than done um Mm. but yeah and actually uh, with regards to the whole uh uh this this is what i recommend of left you kind of video the the guide obviously you can't include everyone because there's so much out there what was your process of narrowing down creators and categorizing them yeah so i uh I noticed there the traditional like bread tube group was uh strewn the common factor was video essays and so mm. um th- there was like another I'm trying to think when I decided to include all the different categories because I think it started off with just looking at the video essays and then I think it was 
during my research for another video, I found like a streamer person, like it might have been Vosh, I think, that had made leftist a video that was obviously leftist critiquing a PragerU video. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, there's another part of this sort of ecosystem. I don't know how connected they are uh, that is like overtly political leftist content and with a large following. And then I was like, oh yeah, Hassan, I, I know Hassan. And so that's another person that isn't under the video essay. Like he does streaming. It's a totally kind of different content format, but he's still, you know, leftist, left adjacent um, in his commentary. And so I was like, okay, uh, from there, I think that's when I decided streamers will be a category. And then um, video essays had already been one. And then um, commentary is where I, it's kind of difficult because with definitions, you know, a person's YouTube catalog can be so diverse and different. Like when mm. I mentioned you in the commentary channel, I know you you have like proper video essays as well. And uh, I, I think, would you define yourself as a commentary channel or a video essayist? Because that's kind of where the gray yeah. area begins. But it's a good question. I mean, I think I'm leaning more towards video essays now, but definitely at the beginning, I was commentary. Like if you like if you were to count up my videos and do a tally, it, I think it would be fair to say I'm commentary. Whereas if you were to just look at the last three, then perhaps video essay. So it's really, I I, I know what you mean. I think you can be multiple things, um, <laughs> unless you're someone like contribute points who makes full length feature films. So she posts like three times a year, then yeah. she has definitely video essays, but you know, yeah, I think most of us come sort of in between or are multiple things. So yeah. When you were starting, were there uh, YouTube people that you had watched uh, or was there like a style of content like commentary that kind of sh showed you like a, a model of what, potentially you could be or or mm. things that you liked type of content yeah so i mean when i first started out oh excuse me sorry pardon me um mm. <laughs> i yeah and i still do i was very um into you know curtis connor jarvis johnson um obviously cody co that kind of thing um so comedic commentary so when I went in, I kind of thought I, uh, I will make commentary, but I didn't necessarily think of myself as a video essayist until I did this long ass video on pickup artists and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, huh, maybe I should try longer videos. And they've kind of just gotten longer and longer and longer. So yeah. now I'm like, oh, well, kind of by default, I've become a video essayist because they're just the pure length of the videos. So yeah, I think for me, the comedy was first, whereas now it's kind of, I'd say, because of the, also part of growing as well, you've got to, it's really important to make sure that you're sending the right information out and fact-checking everything. So now I'm like, okay, well, informing is kind of the first priority and then the comedy is kind of the byproduct, I'd say. Mm. Um, at least that's how I describe it. But I mean, honestly, I think so many people the way they describe their own work probably differs massively to what their audiences say or even what you know just others say you know so I don't know if that even translates to my audience who knows so mm, yeah. it's hard to know how people it's, view your work right it's really interesting uh, like most of the people I've talked to 
whether they make content or not i think first kind of fell in love with youtube or discuss like figured out that it was really like the best content was like the vine creators wave of comedy commentary kind of like cody ko and all, all those people and um that, that was like when the biggest you know videos were m kind of the commentary of look at this it's really silly i'm gonna make fun of it make jokes and mm. um get like a lot of views but uh it's interesting to me like that the way sort of those audiences have been built and now as i've been looking more into video essay stuff it's like there's definitely audiences there but in terms of like the uh, i don't know if cream of the crop or like the most uh influential to youtube as a genre are those uh, in my opinion like a lot of those uh vine people to commentary and like when i was starting out it was interesting because i you have this conception when you watch someone like cody where he's reacting to stuff and it's like like okay well if i just did that same thing if i sat down and like uh watch a video paused it and then made a joke or like just talked about it it'd be funny but then you go and do that and you're like oh my god like this <laughs> this is awful like if i released this yeah, i would totally. have people with pitchforks outside of my home like it's it's really uh, like a skill as well as a, a an interesting requirement or an, an interesting like level of uh you know, competence with regard to producing mm -hmm. something like that, that's sort of required. And, and so that's a part of like the learning process of starting to do it is, is realizing when you've made something that's like not that good. And, and you kind of always have have to have that voice in your head. That's like, is this good? And it's good to keep that. But uh, definitely, I think when it comes to video essays, it gives you sort of more freedom to um, structure and make jokes and, and kind of, produce things and it's and i think a lot of commentary channels do in involve some i think like someone like curtis probably does mm -hmm. a fair amount of uh at least structuring at least formatting that's just my guess mm -hmm. i don't know for sure but based yeah, no, on I get that impression too yeah yeah so it's like uh it's, it's just interesting the different types of content formats and the way uh sort of people have kind of grown to love it and the way it's evolving as well that's just interesting sorry a bit of yeah. a ramble there but no no exactly and i really think it's really important what you said about the whole like cody the videos are really funny and i think sometimes people see that and just think oh it's just a guy making jokes but i think you're absolutely right there's such a huge difference and this is the same for movie commentary channels so good ones like trin lovell uh dylan is in trouble who's another one that i i really like uh your internet mum ash like basically there's a big difference between commentary and then uh i guess reaction or just sitting there watching something and occasionally saying a word or two there's a big mm. difference between that and commentary where someone is because often they'll be like easter eggs they'll do callbacks later on in the video like they they very much have a take and what's funny about it is their sense of humor and their kind of you know that kind of thing which i don't think anyone else can do um and that's what's great about commentary and i think but as you say like i think sometimes people see that and they think it's as simple as oh, I just find something goofy and talk about it and then it will be inherently funny. And it, it's more than that. Cause, and I think this is part of, um, one of the things is that's part of starting out, you know, you're not gonna be, you know, the best of the best when you start out, but also 
perhaps part of it is that the internet is very much um, when one person talks about something or, you know, it kind of becomes low hanging fruit. So I guess um, an example of this would be someone like Darman or uh, I guess any TikTok, TikToker thing, like the whole like Addison Rae's recent movie. And I'm not saying you can't talk about those things and laugh about those things. Like totally go for it. But I guess what I would ask is, Will it? Will you have your own take, or are you, is it just your like? Hey, this is goofy. This is dumb. Right, kind of and thing. and and trending, and like mm. seeing you know a video that has a lot of views, and seeing a lot of people making videos about something. You know, you are incentivized by the industrial complex of YouTube content to <laughs> ha- give a take. If you're a take giver, if you're a commentary person, exactly. And, some people do it uh, better than others in terms of like, you know, being on on topic and on point with current stuff. Some people get content out so fast. I'm like, how? Like, it's amazing. I know. People do that. But um, there is an aspect of it where uh, how much of it is or- original and how much of it um, is like worth worth making or or mm. like how I- how easily can you tell when something has been made for the incentive of you know tracking the onto the algorithm of a trending topic versus you know someone had something actually to say about it and i think like most of the most of the big people obviously are are big because they are able to consistently give their own voice even if it's not like having a specific take giving their own sense of humor or sense of personality and including that is like you know you don't really even have to have that you know be saying all that much if like you're funny and if you kind of produce things in a way that makes it entertaining youtube's an entertainment platform as much as like as much as in my you know research of the left tube video it's like we can start a revolution this is you know the <laughs> beginning of like the overthrow of the united states government like as a joke don't like uh joking in a video parody game. in minecraft in, in minecraft right we're over the- yeah, yeah yeah so um as much as I like had that sentiment while looking into this, it's like, it is entertainment and there's an aspect of disseminating thought about ideas to big audiences, but, um, people open YouTube on their phone while they're doing laundry to like, you know, have a good time and like relax. And it's like movies or books or anything. It's, 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 I feel like important to remember that if that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's why I think all kinds of content have value. So like me personally, I do prefer the video essay format. And I think I will be sort of mostly sticking to that from now on, just because personally for me, I feel like uh, those videos are the most rewarding um, and the most interesting to make because like I get to read interesting books and stuff for it and that kind of thing. But that's, uh, but I think that's also because I found that the commentary thing for me was, uh, you know, maybe too limiting for me and that I don't feel like I can make a point in 10 minutes, whereas some people can really well. And in fact, some people can do both. Great example. This is D'Angelo Wallace. He can make hour long videos and he can make 10 minute videos. So some people can just do it all, but I don't think I, I can personally. I think (laughs) I, yeah, for me, it's long form videos is really where I flourish. So yeah. Um, but exactly. It's, um, Yeah. So I actually wanted to ask you, because you did a part two, uh, sort of following up on your big left tubey uh, deep dive, and it was a QA and a as well. And am I right in thinking that you're not 100% hot on the phrase bread tube? 
Right. Yeah, I am a. Tell me about that. Tell me an about that. Anti bread tube bread tuber. Um, I <laughs> I remember while I was researching, uh, I did this weird. You could say a little bit creepy with form <laughs> of research where I searched on Twitter with the at of a YouTuber and then a phrase like I think bread tube is one of them. I did like at contra points yeah. or from contra points bread tube just to see like what the discord just getting an idea for the discourse. And I remember mm. it's interesting to see the way it shifted from, you know, at the start people were okay with it because, or the creators were kind of ambivalent because it was like an audience demographic. It was a group of, um, it was a subreddit and that was defined by the audience. Um, and over time, as other people started getting including to this because they were leftists or making left content, and then other the what the stuff they made was in conflict with the stuff other people made, and it became this thing where it's like, what even is BreadTube anymore? If it's like, you know, just whoever your favorite streamer is, that's BreadTube. That guy on the street with a Bernie shirt, that's BreadTube. It's like if you're if you're what does the term really mean? And it, it, it evolved over time because like 2017, 2016 post anti SJW, mm. uh, like reaction type content is when it was mostly video essayist and that was how it was defined. But over time, because of that, so the lasting effect of that definition of bread tube, what that generated was a definition a group of people and you know besides so going further than the infighting stuff it it, it kind of put leftism online into this box and mm. because of that you have like i remember so in my follow-up video I, I talked about i just kind of mentioned in passing because it was a q and I didn't really uh, i plan on like going further into it um but messages passing like a lot of creators that aren't under this term bread too but they make really great leftist content and one thing that is an aspect of this is that traditional bread tube every creator is white and every creator is from the usa or europe and the issues they talk about you know they're leftist issues and they're important things to be talking about like gender issues and uh feminist stuff and all this stuff um but it is very kind of eurocentric and very there's one perspective and so i am an anti-bread tube bread tuber because i moving past that definition means that it can be expanded into this world of like amazing, really great content that's talking about stuff that, you know, if you are someone who is into leftist ideas, you should like want to learn about like pan-Africanism or anarchism or these things that are, you know, you know, people that watch ContraPoints or whoever might think, oh, that's like pretty far left. It's like that's I am not really interested in that. And that's probably that's probably fine, but uh if if what is limiting you from exploring that content is the fact that these bread tubers are all in this box and the algorithm also says that they're in this box so they're showing you this same group then that's a problem because that's not you know that's not on your agency that's allowing sort of a platform to determine what you think you know and so i i am yeah um there's like a couple ways people have put it like Daniel Torres in this really great video. His, he's a smaller YouTuber, but his, um, a couple years ago, it was, uh, I think a response to the phrase that like left tube or bread tube is too white. And he, mm. he mentions this term of the second wave of left tube. And so, um, bread tube and e 
Brett, like left tube is better leftist youtube i realized was a mistake in titling it that or you know maybe it was i got a lot of flack from leftists or whatever because it's like you know any person that's talks about you know trans issues as a leftist now what does it even mean and it's like i i kind of wanted to just move away from bread tube at least and left tube honestly i only didn't choose left tube because it sounded like a little goofy like left tube or like i don't know why because it sounds fine now that i think about it but um yeah i think just moving away from that uh that enclosing barrier and being a hopefully allows people to see that there's like a lot more to it than um the traditional definition and it's kind of like uh redefining as things change over time and as the uh catalog of content grows talking about things like we should be able to say like yo this is this isn't working let's kind of let's evolve this or something and that's basically was kind of what i talked about in my q a and so um not to be the arbiter of what leftism online is and i always like am concerned about people seeing me as that it's just like i i have like an opinion about this and so i'm trying to um say like it's a problem if if these really great creators are being included uh aren't being included because what they talk about is further left or because you know they're not white or whatever not explicitly right it's not like there's a person you know at the algorithms factory that says you're not white you get out it's more like yeah you know all this content is connected via the issues and if uh non-white or non-western content isn't a part of that then it won't it won't allow it to enter into the discussion kind of thing. And um, it like just the final point that uh, it's not that it's not there and it has an audience. It's just significantly smaller. Like the main, like large creators are, have very large audiences, like comparable to uh, any big commentary YouTuber. And the, the rest, the second wave is significantly smaller. And it's like, you know, if they're all leftists, why not kind of talk about them? all in the same breath um as i'm running out of breath from rambling on for <laughs> five minutes but no uh, no i totally agree and i think i mean one of the things two things you touched on there that kind of made me think of is the first being that i think bread tube kind of became a term to describe a group of people who are connected by being acquainted with each other um not necessarily by the actual content itself and that's not to say that the people under that label aren't fabulous creators but it's more that for example people that might be included under the label might make not so explicitly political content whereas there are people who make very explicitly political content but don't get that kind of uh prestige or whatever you want to call mm. it and i think the second one being that i feel like just the label left tube feels more accessible it feels more vast um and also just because bread tube like, I didn't know why BreadTube was BreadTube till recently, <laughs> like mm. why it's called that. Um, uh, it's based, uh, for those who don't know, it's based on a book. Um, what's it called? I always forget. You know the one I'm the talking about, The Conquest of Bread. That's it. Um, by, by whom? Peter P K Kropotkin. That's I it. Think. That's the one. <laughs> Someone asked me this the other day and I was like, I always forget. I haven't read uh, it. I'm sorry. I mean, why would anyone need to remember? That's the only thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 600 year old, well, yeah. you know, 150 anarchist. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and obviously I think the theory is really important and it's really good to learn about theory. But if you're someone who doesn't, if you're, if this is all new to you, I just feel like left tube is just much clearer and much, um, 
and as I say, much more vast because there are some people who really, really go into dense theory, and then there's some people who talk about social issues in a much more uh, colloquial and laid back and conversational way. So, yeah, I, I have to say I agree. I much prefer left tube as the label. That, yeah, I also don't see people using bread tube that much anymore. Um, or if they do, it's only to a few creators. Um, and, and funnily enough, the people that are described as bread tube don't seem to like the label either. Yeah. People yeah, like I, contrapoints and stuff. They seem yeah. to want to disavow it. So I started to talk about that at the beginning of what I was saying, but it's like when I searched for creators talking about bread tube, mm. every single tweet was like, stop, stop saying this stuff. <laughs> like this is a, it's like people are acting like we're like the Avengers or something. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's this weird, it's fan fiction. They're like bread tube all hang out in a clubhouse. And it's like, uh, like, you know, every single one of them disavows it, but it, it lives on because there's a subreddit that's like, you know, a bit of a problem. But yeah, that's a great point that it is in circulation less, um, definitely now. So yeah, exactly. And I think, as you say, there is kind of this second wave. And interestingly, I think it's, I don't know, the first wave of it fascinates me because I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think of the first wave as uh, people who are either during or just after that anti-SJW era right yeah um, definitely so I don't know how they did it because Christ almighty I would not have been able to do what I do back then I could oh, not yeah. deal with no 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 absolutely not I mean uh yeah so in a way I, I I'm I, I think it's good to talk about that because it's like I'm very thankful to those creators because I feel like in a way they made the platform safer for this genre to prosper Perhaps Absolutely. It, yeah, perhaps left you couldn't be a thing today if um anti-SJW perpetual Nazi algorithm machine wasn't busted down. I mean, yeah. it's it's still there a bit, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like it was a thing, wasn't it? 2016 YouTube. Yeah. That like I was initially when I made that video, the first whole section was about the history of uh leftist YouTube, which can only really be viewed through the lens of right-wing YouTube or right-wing content, right-wing including uh, the super far-right stuff, but mainly consisting of anti-SJW, anti-feminist stuff. Mm. And it's kind of like an interesting track, but I would uh, like wholeheartedly agree with the statement that LeftTube wouldn't be a thing without like that. Because it's like a someone in a like a slate article described it as like an immune system response youtube's immune system Ooh. coming to the aid of uh seeing this you know serious problem of you know all these people um spending all their time you know baselessly demonizing feminists like anita sarkeesian or like gamergate mm. stuff and and like the horrible abuse that entailed not just from the creators themselves but from their fans and from oh, the God, yeah. 4chan stuff and the subreddits and so it was needed and it was uh like it, it was probably bound to happen but it, that wouldn't have happened without that and now like you said it's like a much sort of safer and well accepted place to be talking about feminism or, or just leftist stuff um and that's a really good thing um and then like what i've been looking at now is getting into the next step of like so the second wave or third wave or whatever um is like because all that stuff is 
built on a reaction so it's like it technically is reactionary like the first reactionary is the like oh look at this blue-haired person that's screaming at a college they're so bad look at that blah blah that's reactionary the next one is like okay ben shapiro you got to relax like this this is you know garbage content you're not funny we can talk about it that's also reactionary and then so because of its nature as a reactionary force like you can't in the same video be like, okay, Ben Shapiro here is saying trans people don't exist. Um, that's bad. So now we're going to be talking about intersectional feminism and why uh, blah, 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 blah. Like you can only go so far in your discussion of the idea uh, from the starting point of super far right uh, racism, misogyny, transphobia. Like you can, within a span of a video or within a span of a creator's catalog only uh, divorce yourself from that so far so while it is a necessary movement and a complete like a, an important one that like i have like so much respect for people like that made that stuff when they did it's like now we're at a place where we can start kind of moving forward actually in the discussion or moving uh in places that are you know more interesting and more uh cognizant towards the needs of the communities that are were being exploited and uh or demonized throughout the history of it so it's like now we can start going further left which is good Mm. but it's like uh who's doing that and how is it happening that's kind of to be to be determined or to be explored because it's happening it's just uh yeah yeah well i absolutely love that what you're saying because honestly i relate to that so much funnily enough um and uh i believe i found her through you uh professor flowers did a video about you know why is it on left and left you were expected to like convert nazis you know i don't know if you've seen that one of her oh, yeah. and i totally relate to that because sometimes i get comments that are like oh you know <laughs> if you make jokes about heterosexuality or whatever or this this x and y you're not going to get these people on your side and i'm like maybe i don't know i just think sometimes people expect the role of left tube to be um de-radicalizing 14 year olds who are about to become nazis and it's like a would they listen to me anyway and b maybe that's not everyone's role don't get me wrong that stuff is really important and there are some people who do that really well but what if i like and the thing is my audience is overwhelmingly women according to the youtube analytics now i i don't know yeah they don't actually show a non-binary option they just show men and women so it could be Mm. non-binary people too but yeah basically not dudes basically they're the minority um which is different for other creators so Perhaps my audience wants like a different kind of thing. So I I don't know. I just do find those comments a little bit exasperating because it's like, maybe it's not for those people. Maybe my content's for people who are in on the joke. Um, Obviously I want, I don't want to like it to be an echo chamber because that's a phrase that's used a lot. And I do sometimes think it's a bit weaponized. Like there's still a lot of disagreement in the comments, but I don't have to start from the starting point of questioning whether, as you say, being trans is real that's out of the question for me i'm not even going to entertain stuff like that like no i just i don't need to explain to you why that's just a a ridiculous discussion to have and i know for some people they are still having that discussion and if you want to have that discussion fine but i just don't want that kind for me it's like i don't want the kind of audience where you know that's up for debate because it's not 
it just isn't sorry you know that so yeah I, I do find this very exasperating as I'm sure you can tell yeah. um just real quick that's like ideally there's a future where we don't even have to have this addendum where we say mm -hmm. you know it's good that people are convincing nazis not to be nazis that's an important part <laughs> of the platform it's like ideally there's a space where like we can come on and like talk about this over here the whole time and we don't even have to waste your breath on like and you know if you are a uh, racist we just want to let you know you know you're you are loved and valued but it's like <laughs> you, we just disagree with you it's like we don't we don't have to do that you know and yeah. ideally there's a future where like you know in this hypothetical conversation it doesn't happen but it's still that's like very representative of why uh it is still the lingering effect of the uh right manosphere like white cis kind of genre is mm. it's going to be an amount of time before it's completely divorced but they're obviously like left spaces and mm. um they exist but yeah just to kind of briefly mention that on your point about um like professor Fowler's video is very i i uh i've said that to a lot of people about like you know why um yeah just asking the question why do we have to debate nazis it's like and part of the problem is like there's a lot of very prominent creators that stand by the fact that like i've seen some just ridiculous clips where people are saying you know i would argue that uh you know you know appealing to nazis is even more important to the left than appealing to sjw's because you know they're the ones who uh really uh are the most harm and so reducing harm in that regard it's like what you're saying like the person who just robbed you is like taught you a good lesson about like being safer on the street or something weird like that it's just the most convoluted shit but part of that goes into the sort of demagoguery of online streamers and i've sort of discovered that a little bit more lately of of like i don't even really want to get into it here but but no, uh, but yeah it's a great it's a yeah, you brought up a really good point there. So. Well, exactly. And I, I, exactly. It's kind of, um, and I think, and not just the left, but I think liberals are very guilty of this. The Democrats are a classic example of this. It's, um, or a lot of social media platforms like Facebook or whatever. I'm not saying they're leftists or whatever, but like, um, it's kind of trying to appease the right and make it more palatable for the right. It's like, oh, how are we going to get them on our side? And I just sort of think, I wonder, like with, you know, when it comes to progressive politics and stuff, are you not better off getting people who don't vote? Are you not better off getting people who don't really think about politics? And then when you do ask them questions, they sort of go, oh, yeah, that is fucked up. Maybe I should get involved. Rather than trying to get <laughs> really like people who are already really into politics, but just the complete opposite politics. Because I think, I, I don't know, I just think it's... <sighs> It just feels like a losing battle. And it's also just engaging with them where a lot of these people, they're grifters, right? Like if you debate, like, I don't know, Stephen Crowder or whatever, it's like, who benefits? Stephen Crowder and his right. audience. So I just, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some people are very good at debating. So if that's what they want to do with their time, respect to them. I'm terrible at debating. So maybe that's why I would say that. But I don't know. I just wonder if... It, there just seems to be this expectation that our role is to change minds. And obviously that is a really important part of it, but a lot of it is being on the ground. And you were talking about this actually in your follow-up. There's, um, or was it a question that was asked? Basically saying that I don't know if a lot of online leftists do enough groundwork and like actual 
I don't know what, what how you describe it, but and I'll definitely say that's the thing I would want to be more active in encouraging people to actually do stuff as opposed to just trying to convert people, basically. It's kind yeah. of what I was getting at, but yeah. Yeah. So. Uh the the push so like that kind of goes back to this conversation about um entertainment versus activism or uh mm. being on a platform where you're um, entertaining and producing a piece of content to be digested or whatever like horrible sort of capitalist id terminology you could use behind what like we do but it's not that it's not true it's like asking the question um is anything really changing because you have stuff like bernie running and losing two elections in a row and he's the leftist candidate i know tragically uh but but like uh like what's the real influence and then you have like all, all these like organizations i i'm not really even that familiar but i know like the a really common critique of left tube is that there's not a, enough pu of a push to organize or develop real world resources and improve the material conditions of like xyz group uh and it is more focused on the like ethereal sort of uh discussions of um theory or uh ideas or just creating entertainment and it's all really good but also there are people who are doing that stuff and who are like on youtube they're like um saint andrewism is a really great channel i don't know if you've heard of him Ooh, he's uh really good and a lot of his content uh focuses on sort of organization mobilization dissemination of thought that actually uh leads to practical application in the real world and um him and there are others that like aren't really talked about in the same breath as other people but it's like um that should really be celebrated if it's a leftist space where organization um and just creating real world change because like watching youtube video feels like as much as a contrapoints video feels like activism it's not right it's it's uh it's uh you're watching a movie or whatever you're learning a lot you're thinking about stuff and that's really good but and it doesn't have to be you know there are people who doing different things and that's fine but um there is a discussion to be had about like what uh, the next steps are of um, getting people to be involved in organizations and like mutual aid and things like that. And again, like I, I mentioned, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't do any of that stuff and I want to, and I don't want to be like LARPing as a, like a socialist if I don't like somehow uh, contribute to it um, in a way that's further than, me making money off it on youtube not that that's bad either that's like even there i'm like using terms that are kind of uh sort of demonizing what we do and that's not like the goal obviously but there is definitely like a conversation there that eventually exactly. should be had exactly yeah like yeah you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater you're not saying that you know it, you can't earn money making leftist content you know that's not the issue it's just um that's just one part of it um, and I think also another part of it is the fact that we've just been in a quarantine and obviously people did go to protests and stuff, but, uh, you know, the, apart from those things, there wasn't a huge amount people could practically do when they were shut away. So I guess now we're coming out of that. It's to try and encourage, you know, other steps, you know, watch content, read stuff, but also, you know, do stuff um it's funny i read uh something on the do you listen to a podcast called behind the bastards have you heard of it i haven't no oh it's great i'll, I'll send you it. it's so cool. good um it's what it sounds like it's it goes into the 
worst people in the world and just <laughs> talks about them. It's great. Um, and someone was saying on a subreddit that they were really inspired by an episode and it was all about how um, the, you know, obviously US medicine, you know, it's all for profit and that kind of thing and how it's like just just destroyed people with diabetes and how the whole insulin for profit industry and that kind of stuff. And this person said that episode inspired me to work like it for an organization that brings insulin to people that can't afford it and stuff. And I'm like, see that, Oh, that, that, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of, that would be the goal for my work going forward to inspire people to make changes in their life and just in the way they think and hopefully and make them want to do stuff that could change things it would be amazing that's kind of the goal i think yeah that's a a great point like that's like you know even if there's not like a call to action making something that's so well made and inspiring in its like uh depiction of the problem Mm. can it sounds like that did that for that person. I don't know if there exactly. was a call to action, but it, like I've like been viewing it as like, you know, we got to at the end, ask people to go don't do whatever. But it's like the people who were going to do that probably would have done it anyways. And so it's really a, like, that's a, that's a really great like example of like uh, being inspired just by the nature of how well something is made or how well a story is told. Like th- there's definitely so much value in that beyond like a, uh, like what I was talking about, about like uh, calls to action or whatever. Like that's a, that's a really good point. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's all part of this big conversation and it's, um, I mean, it's kind of exciting, as you say, if, if we're on a second wave, it's like, hopefully it's just the beginning. And I think my fear is you were talking earlier about an immune response and I'm like, does that mean, I'm a bit worried. <laughs> does that mean like there's going to be some kind of, fourth wave yeah anti-sjw yeah that's my fear is that is that inevitable what do you think about that oh that's a really good question uh on youtube specifically obviously the internet of course but youtube do you think youtube would let that happen (laughs) you know i i i'm i i feel like the the right on youtube um had its heyday and is dying aside from the select few that are Mm. funded by fracking billionaires or that are uh (laughs) make like so much money and have like like a steven crowder live stream gets a million views the same day it's like that scares me definitely but it's a it's it's the remnants it's the skeleton of a once extremely powerful and dangerous um group of ideas and ideologues and so um so yeah, the uh, what I see as a difference in the new wave of left content and the specifically the difference between that and the old wave of right-wing content is that there's a level of empathy and sort of honesty involved with left content that is not replicated on the right. It's 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 like a the source of entertainment on the right is like look at this these people are so bad and stupid. We are so much better. And there's definitely that on the left, right? But as opposed to looking at someone and making fun of them because they're like having an SJW freak out, like we're looking at someone who is actually causing harm to society and they are a part of a hierarchical structure of harm, a part of the patriarchy, a part of like 
like white conservatism or even white liberalism that are causing direct harm to like communities that like uh not only are traditionally marginalized but are still marginalized on these platforms and so there's a there's a difference in the tone and there's a difference in the real world effect where this older stuff is upholding these systems where this newer stuff is uh critiquing them or attempting to dismantle them and um the nature of that also makes it kind of like you know comedy like comedy that's punching up is always better than punching down obviously and like mm. comedy is commentary a lot of the times and so um there's like a difference where it makes me not as worried about a resurgence of the right-wing content because like you know after you watch enough of ben shapiro's videos you can see through it like anyone can just see through sort of the facade and the like uh fear-mongering stuff and and once you are able to see through it like obviously the people the you know 80 year olds on their couch watching it freaking out and like calling their school to have uh what whatever banned for whatever reason like they are kind of a lost cause and that's okay you know people get old it's it's all good but uh as far as like the main like arena of content i feel like most people kind of eventually are able to see through it and see that it's just garbage and we don't, we don't need that. And so by the audience's requirements, it feels like, and this could be wrong, but it does feel like there's a shift of um, like, I've never seen a comment on like a Ben Shapiro video, a Sargon of Akkad video, uh, any of these people that says, you know, I used to watch ContraPoints and now I watch you because you made yeah. such a great case for yeah, hating trans point. people. Like it doesn't work that way because it's like they're appealing to your sense of tribalism and your uh, sense of superiority. Whereas this, <laughs> right, the total reptilian, you know, exactly. And, and, on the other side, you're taking time to lay out these arguments and, and show this empathy, you know, even to people on the right um, as a way like or as a format that feels like more there's more longevity there. Could be wrong. I hope it's not wrong. Like you said, the the third wave right tube would be terrifying and would be like it's very not desired. But, you know, I, I feel like there's a positive direction that things are moving at least right now so yeah i suppose yeah no i mean i agree i hope you're right too and i think now that you explain it i think that makes sense and i think also when it comes to misinformation kind of uh, not enough is being done but in a way the jig is up a bit right like how youtube you know, when it comes to like coronavirus denying content and that kind of thing, they've kind of gotten to a point where they're like, okay, we cannot legally get away with people doing this and making money off it. Um, so they're trying to clamp down on that. And I guess going forward, people are gonna struggle to make money off lying, hopefully. That's right. uh, we're in that direction, which is good. Um, it should have never really been the case, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I guess it is less profitable to, yeah, to spread misinformation and stuff. The next, so. the next business model or the next form of it, and it's already now is is 
So when you try to make money off of lying and it doesn't work, make money off of talking about how you can't make money off of lying. You know, make money about censorship. I'm being censored for saying we should inject poison into ourselves. Like, this is so messed up. And then you people like there's a total audience demographic for that. You know, there's a lot of people that really empathize with that. And it's really kind of depressing seeing people go off on these tirades of like, you know, the ivermectin stuff, like there's a lot of people who like traditionally would be on the left, but have turned into this free speech warrior type person that, and it's very clear that they're only doing this because they're getting the validation from other people that are free speech warriors, right? Um, Mm. Audience censorship. And it's like, there's no moment to stop and think like, why are all the people that support me now also the same people that supported trump in his uh, you know when he was banned from twitter or supported him because uh the free speech like there's no recollection of like huh this interesting uh, community overlap yeah. for my former values you know sorry i'm, I'm ranting about that but no you're um, right though there's a few people that spring to mind when you say that um glenn greenwald is a good example of that right. because i think he's done some great journalistic work in the past but now that whenever i see him on twitter it's always for the wrong reasons and he's got some really shitty takes lately you know what i mean and i'm like my guy i thought you i don't know it's just it's kind of sad um there's no moment of uh thought where like it's your 12th tucker carlson appearance today or this week and (laughs) and it's like there's no like wait wait, am i am i being a useful idiot right now or is is this i'm no i'm good i'm good i'm going back on tomorrow (laughs) carlson is a is a socialist did you not hear that no oh yeah that's right i just they (laughs) they just released that yeah yeah exactly um yeah though i suppose the only thing I, i think yeah you're right i think it is always coming from that i'm being censored angle um which is that whole spiel is very lucrative and i think it will be till the end of time because i think we all like to feel like freedom fighters every generation every person regardless of their political leaning reads 1984 and thinks yeah I'd be the rebel. Yeah, this is about... (laughs) That's me. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I I mean, it's amazing how so many people misunderstand it. Like with the whole people who say masks are like 1984 and it's like, eh. Yeah. You're not getting it. But, you know, and that's just, I think, always going to be the case. People are always going to feel like they want to, I don't know, kind of everyone wants to feel like a rebel and like a historical figure that was on the right side despite all the odds but most are just I don't know I had something really good and I think it was on the podcast I told you about earlier and it was like 80% of people are neither really good or really bad they just go along with what the tide is hopefully that's not true (laughs) but I wouldn't be surprised whereas like 20% are genuinely really terrible or genuinely really just always wanting to do like good by people i don't know um so that's the only thing that worries me about youtube and other and just the way the political landscape is i'm like i do worry you know do do people care about x because it's kind of like what we're socially conditioned to care about like what if it became cool to be terrible in this way again i don't know i but then maybe i'm just not giving human beings enough credit maybe i'm there's enough examples to lose faith. There's way too many examples, especially well, prominent exactly. people. You know? Exactly. It's like all the arguments that, you know, trans exclusionary radical 
feminists oh. use or anyone who's like transphobic they're using so many of the same arguments that were used against you know the gays and it's just I, it wasn't even that long ago yeah you know? it's and a just, yeah oh uh, yeah like that's oh that's i had like an interaction with a turf youtuber recently and I, like i Ooh. don't even i guess i could get into it but um don't like worry, don't just <laughs> just on that point of like the same arguments for transphobia that quote unquote feminists are making are the exact same arguments made to marginalize people for like like literally women and 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 lgbtq people so like these people when they come on their speaking tours from you know they're from the uk which i don't know that's like probably a thing that so or, many turfs <laughs> turf the island right and like yeah. I, I didn't want to be rude but that's like I, people have used that term but uh no 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 they come it's to the true. u.s yeah, yeah yeah they come to the u.s and then they they get like a speaking appearance at like conservative think tanks and they don't mm. think twice about it and it's just it's amazing mm. the cognitive dissonance mm. just because you're getting attention and money and i get it because i've been in a place where I had my first experience on social media success and like, who knows what would have happened if someone, if I don't know, like the American Liberty foundation would have reached out to me for <laughs> whatever thing to make a comedy sketch about CRT. Like, it, I don't know mm -hmm. what that would be like, but also there has to be a point where you call yourself a feminist, but you are just being hateful. Like, so the turf YouTuber, I'm just going to mention this briefly, but so they found my video about TikTok misogyny and they, got into an argument in the comments and the, argu oh, the basis of their claim was like you know we don't need men to speak for us about misogyny uh we can do it ourselves or something and like part of it i mean not it's like a very regressive sort of golden retriever brain view of what feminism is like to that men feminism is for ladies only or whatever like it it's it was very demonstrative of the lack of critical thinking but then i like looked at this person's content and they have like you know five thousand subscribers so it's like a decent amount of people to be supporting what this person makes which was these like hour two hour long live streams of talking about prominent trans creators in just the most horrible ways just like dead naming misgendering the whole time deliberately and um and not even think like like you can tell the sort of uh the satisfaction or like the rebellious kind of like you were saying like i'm i'm a freedom fighter because you know xyz about trans people being dangerous which is just all garbage nonsense but but like there's something more there of like grifting and being a hateful person that um really does amaze me and, and i hope like like with regards to like uh journalism in the uk there's like definitely a, a significant like mainstream journalistic support for these gender critical ideas and it's kind of disturbing but hopefully eventually this conversation can proceed i don't know if it will take jk rowling writing a book about like a, a good book about a trans character will that happen no but like Not i don't know sure. what it will take <laughs> yeah i don't know what it will take for this conversation to evolve but it's very uh it's just depressing i don't know the fact I that it's i won't make you call out the creator but are they british no they're not huh? yeah okay. Yeah, so oh. that's a good yeah, that's a good it's a good well, step. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good step for the island. The uh no, the turf island thing is true. Um it's our media is getting way out of hand. Um it's 
ridiculous like there's a lot of discourse about this on twitter how there are gender criticals in the guardian being like why can't women speak up they're being censored whilst the guardian cuts out uh margaret atwood judith butler talking about the fascistic nature of gender critical thinking because a lot of it is like right let's follow this person into the bathroom and demand (laughs) we find out you know what their parts are and all this it's like yeah that's pretty fascistic but not allowed to say that because you know so much of like the media class is gender critical or whatever and just yeah it's um actually i remember what what earlier on in my time um someone commented on my video like i really enjoyed this video but i just uh, was wondering would i be welcome in your community as a trans woman and at first i was like oh god that's heartbreaking but then i realized kind of don't blame them for asking just because I didn't I hadn't like made it crystal clear at that point like it just hadn't come up um but like if all the prominent turfs you're seeing happen to be British feminists if you see a British feminist YouTuber I would understand why alarm bells go off um uh not to be xenophobic to Brits uh, but (laughs) it's no it's funny it's like uh now there's a new argument in the so the the traditional u.s versus uk twitter discourse is like oh we uh you guys eat beans on toast what the hell's wrong with you guys and the, the response is that a, the response has like five thousand likes it's like hey at least i can go to school without getting shot yeah and then it's like oh and then the now you can add on the next one be like hey at least it's not turf island you yeah, know, at least exactly. I'm not a turf something exactly. you can add to the discourse the hilarious discourse that always it's kind of turned back around on us yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, well, this has been absolutely delightful. I, I feel agree. like we've covered so much. Um, I'm excited to think of titles for this. I might send you some. I've got, I've already got some ideas and I'm like, oh, yeah. I love titling these episodes. Usually I find it harder, but with this one, I'm like, oh, I've already got them. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do you want to tell the people where they can find you? yeah sure um youtube my youtube is just noah sampson that's my name s-a-m-s-e-n and then all my links will be uh will be on there basically but i I use twitter mostly and it's twitter.com slash uh n sampson so n-s-a-m-s-e-n um thanks for (laughs) thanks for the plug window (laughs) yeah of course and um as it is customary at the end of the podcast that we all say goodbye to the camera like in toy story are you comfortable doing that I am. <laughs> okay, beautiful. So in three, two, one, we'll start saying bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Got okay. it. Thank you. Uh, yes, yes. And thanks for coming, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> Cover the mic. <laughs>